pack your bags, start the car, and get on the road. It's time to go across the country two minutes at a time for the biggest stories of the day where they're happening. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Indianapolis, Indiana. Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Cleveland, Ohio. Boston, Mass. Miami, Florida. It's the two-minute drill on the program. Second half of the program begins right now. We're going around the country two minutes at a time talking to the people, covering the stories where they're happening. You know, we call it the two-minute drill, people, for a reason. Uh, it's proudly brought to you by our friends at the University of Kansas Health System, did you know you can be seen by the same experts that care for your Kansas City Royals? That's right. The University of Kansas Health System is the official health care provider of the Royals. Get care from the experts, the Royals Trust, to make the right call. Learn more at kansashealthsystem.com slash royals as we uh, are planning on stopping uh, in, what, Seattle, I think, is uh, one of the destinations, Minneapolis, the Twin Cities, Dallas, and Las Vegas. Uh, a lot going on in the uh, world of sports. As you can hear the ping of the bat here at the uh, Surprise Stadium as we are uh, here uh, watching, I think it's New Mexico and UC Bakersfield. Is that what we heard? UC Bakersfield uh, was the one. Um, yeah, UC Bakersfield. Uh, so a lot of baseball. So uh, we will head out to the drill in Seattle. I'm still waiting for confirmation. Okay. Uh, to Seattle, Jackson Phelps, 93.3 KJR. In Seattle, Washington is up first. Jackson, how are you, sir? Good, good. How's it going, guys? Uh, going good. Beautiful weather here in Surprise. Uh, how is it going in Seattle uh, when it comes to Geno Smith, uh, guaranteeing him another $12.7 million. Uh, They could have walked on this deal. Looks like they're staying the course with Geno at the quarterback. I think there's a lot of excitement around having Geno Smith under a Ryan Grubb offense. We just saw what Ryan Grubb did here in the city with, you know, with Michael Panix and Panix, who had a somewhat, in some ways, similar offense. You know, three really good receivers, and the Seahawks have Jackson Smith and Jigba, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. That we think Ryan Grubb is going to be able to do similar things with with Geno Smith, Kenneth Walker to Dylan Johnson, the running back comparison there. So uh, there's just a lot of excitement and anticipation for seeing. Geno Smith take that next step, uh, live up to you know the maximum that this contract can can do, and then be pretty darn good in this Ryan Grubb offense. Yeah, and, and and what is you know is, is anybody questioning you know whether or not a guy's ready to go straight from college to the pros as the OC? Yeah, there's some questions, I think, naturally, whenever something has like that. I mean, the same questions probably exist for Mike McDonald in the sense of, you know, this is his first time you know, as, a, as a head coach in the NFL. You know, I, there's obviously questions that must be asked, and obviously some fans have trepidation. But it, what I've kept saying, you know, to, to friends and on the air is everybody's got to start somewhere. I mean, at some point, everybody who went from college to the NFL was a first-time guy. Not all of them hit, but some of them do. And I think what you look look at with Ryan Grubb's schemes is it's a lot of pre-snap motion. It's a lot of, you know, interesting movements and a lot of things you see from guys like Kyle Shanahan in the NFL. And, and I think it's that element that's going to be able to work in the NFL because it is the modernization of the league. And this league has changed over the years to lending itself to more success from guys like Shanahan, the guys like the system that Grubb ran at the University of Washington. So I, there is some questions, understandably. I personally don't have as many just because I think his style will work. 
All right, uh, let me ask you about George Kliukov being ousted as the Pac-12 or Pac-2 uh, commissioner, Washington State, uh, down the road from you guys. What is the future? Do we have any idea where these two are going to play ultimately? Are they going to rebuild the Pac-12? Are they just going to you know, add them to the Mountain West and call it the Pac-12? What's the future for these two? It's a great question, and you know, God, if I had the answers, I'd go to Vegas and bet on it because it is, it is just such a wild situation. It, listen, if, if I'm those schools, obviously you got to figure out football because you know you can play other places in basketball and you can play other places in other sports. Football is the big one; that's the one that's going to drive it all, you know, financially. So I, I think you're, you, I think you got something there with the Mountain West. Maybe it's a Pac-2 Mountain West merger, and you call it the Pac West. Um, I'm not sure if you can fold in enough schools to keep calling it the, the Pac-12 or Pac-2, whatever that name is going to be called. I mean, it is just such a question mark right now. I mean, as a Washington Husky fan, you know, and just watching the situation, it's it's a, it's it's confusing and it's unfortunate that you know some of our friends over across the mountains, their WSU, are in the situation they're in. But I mean, well, from our perspective, what are we supposed to do? Of course, we're going to leave for the Big Ten. Anybody would. Anybody would leave given the chance to play with the big boys in that conference but you know it's just it's watching what's going on with the, with the beavers and the cougs man it's it's tough yeah it is tough no doubt uh jackson phelps uh in seattle great stuff we appreciate it my friend have yourself a great week thanks much you too i'm in the reno chicago fargo minnesota eric norquist 100.3 kfan in minneapolis minnesota's next eric how are you sir i'm doing well how have you been uh, doing well. Uh, certainly uh, enjoying some uh, surprise weather out here. Um, that's nice. That makes me feel better. Uh, tell me, where are Viking fans uh, right now when it comes to uh, their squad? What's the future with Kirk Cousins? What's the future with Justin Jefferson? Well, I think they're, they're spinning tires more than what we're seeing at Daytona right now with a little President's Day action on the racetrack because from a from a Kirk Cousins standpoint, similar to our previous conversation, we're, we're just counting down the days of, of the combine and kind of the idea this is the steamrolling session. This is when agents are getting together with staffs uh, over cocktails, et cetera, to, to hammer out some of these conversations and hammer, hammer out contractual-related details. So with that said, no news becomes awful news, kind of like idle hands. Uh, in lieu of real information, uh, every scenario has been thought of, figured out, fawned over, and has been the subject of nightmares for Vikings fans. But you know, but again, going back to kind of where we were a week or two ago, uh, the closer this thing gets uh, to early March, it's just it's continuing to feel less and less likely like the Vikings are willing to meet the potential two and or three year contract demands combined with the guaranteed money. And so, Kirk, it, it, it hurts a lot of Vikings fans out there, but it does feel like free agency is looming for him. And then, you know, Justin Jefferson, uh, the uh, Pro Football Talk, a couple other entities, uh, that, that information kind of leaking out post-Super Bowl Radio Row Week is, you know, he wants not just to be the highest-paid receiver, but maybe the highest-paid non-quarterback in the NFL, and that there are some guaranteed money uh, aspects of that going around, too. And so... Uh, it's an absolute rat's nest. Vikings fans are restless in all of that. But it's, again, until that first domino drops, uh, we're all just speculating and it's slowly getting more and more negative. But, but as of now, uh, I, I still feel like Kirk 
is possibly he's he's played his last game as a member of the Minnesota Vikings for Justin Jefferson. Everybody wants him here, but that that dollar amount. Uh, in some ways, it feels like is the team going to be held hostage to to meeting uh, completely on Justin's side of that fence? It's it's very tenuous here. Will there be a punishment for Wes Phillips, um, the offense coordinator who pled to a charge of uh, uh, suspicion of drunk driving? Uh, what what happens on that front? Yeah, and and at, at this stage, I would assume that it's it's something internally. I think the you know however that works from the legal side of it. it admittedly, I'm not uh, I'm not your barrister in in this situation, but it's it's it was pled down to or changed to effectively reckless driving of some sort. Uh, the social implications are there and all of that. Um, they they made a statement about it uh, when it first happened, but but I would assume that any punishment would be uh, something that's done internally and unless it's leaked out through a news outlet, uh, guys like you and I may never hear about it. Uh, T-Wolves, game and a half up. They extend Mike Conley. Uh, what's the expectation for this team now? I mean, do they, they think this is an NBA Finals team? Uh, do they think they can hold on to the number one seed in the West? Yeah, I, I think that the hanging on part is something that just, you know, this is unfamiliar territory from a fan base standpoint. From the team standpoint, uh, I think that uh, adding Monte Morris, they, they love potentially getting some bench pop from them from a scoring uh, from a scoring perspective. Uh, but it is, uh, it is a team that they're incredibly high on, incredibly confident in. Uh, they love Conley's game. If, you know, if, if you're watching every game, you're noticing they're starting to limit his minutes. Uh, the way he goes field general on it, the uh, turnover to assist ratio, uh, how low it is, uh, he just stabilizes all of that. And, and this thing really, you know, when, when you're talking about a team, it's like Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, you just watched him put 30 in, in in the fourth quarter of that sham of an all-star game. Anthony Edwards, the budding star that he is, uh, the framework of this team and its greatest successes so far has been defense. And and Conley has, has really been a, such a stabilizing force for this team, and it's a really team-friendly deal as they look even into next summer and what the next incarnation of the Wolves looks like. Uh, the NBA Finals, I, I do believe, in a very muddy Western Conference right now, uh, is absolutely a goal and, and a focus and, and a real belief uh, for not only Wolves fans but the team themselves. All right, great stuff as always. Eric Nordquist in the Twin Cities. We appreciate it. Have yourself a great week. Uh, you too. Take care. Bye-bye. Kevin Hagelin, 105.3 The Fan in Dallas, Texas. Kevin, how are you, sir? What up? I'm doing excellent. How are y'all? Uh, doing very good. Mike Zimmer as the defensive coordinator. Are we happy with this move? I'm happy about it just because it doesn't get much tougher than a person who had eight surgeries on their eye and then said if they needed to have one more surgery that he'd rather just take the eyeball out. So that's the level of toughness we need on this defense. Yeah, how do they think the personnel is going to change? He tends to be more of a big and physical defense. This team has been put together with more of a speed and quick and finesse side uh, on defense. What, what kind of personnel changes do you think will come? I think the biggest thing, and people have been waiting for this, it feels like it's been overdue, especially if you look at the back half of the season, is you have to get bigger at linebacker. So bigger linebackers, especially with the apparent, it, it feels more and more like the departure of Leighton Vanderesh and him not coming back is you need to get bigger at linebacker. And I'm not just saying get one. You need multiple bigger linebackers. I think that's the biggest change you'll see. 
Uh, was this Mike McCarthy's decision or Jerry Jones' decision? Uh, I think it was Mike McCarthy's decision, but sometimes it's hard to tell, right? The fact that you even have to ask me that question is probably not a good sign for this franchise, but I believe it was a Mike McCarthy decision, especially since this is theoretically his last stand. But then again, that's what we said about this last year, so who the heck knows? Yeah, uh, we'll see where it goes from here. Uh, tell me, what about the uh, comments from Grant Williams, uh, traded from the Mavs to the Hornets, made some comments basically calling the Mavs a selfish team. One, is it accurate? Uh, two, uh, what do you do to fix it if it is? I mean, that's kind of tough for a player that fell off a cliff after the first month. Like, Look, I have also heard some of the reason that it's tougher to get star players here is because Luka has so much dominance over the ball. But I think you've seen that start to shift plenty this year. He shifted tempo and also shifted sharing with Kyrie Irving. And so, I don't know, if Grant Williams was, like, here longer, I probably would have put more stock in it. But he was really good the first month and then, like I said, really, really fell off. So it's tough to take those, you know, those comments totally uh, too much to heart. All right, and finally, the Rangers right here in Surprise, where I'm sitting across the way, the other half of the complex here, uh, defending world champions, what, World Series or, or bust, or uh, has anybody got some you know, uh, feeling that maybe this team's going to take a step back? I mean, it makes a lot of sense that they would take a step back, especially with Jordan Montgomery looking exceedingly unlikely to return. So in the first half of the season, that starting rotation is looking a little bit shaky, but you get a whole bunch of, uh, a whole bunch of support in the second half. And I, I mean, I would love to say World Series are bust, but honestly, since it took so long to get the World Series, I feel like most of the fan base around here is still on cloud nine. And so they could have a tough season and i still think everybody would be pumped kevin Hagelin in dallas great stuff we appreciate it thanks so much for the time have yourself a great week my friend absolutely see you guys later when i get my car back activated i'm back to vegas adam hill las vegas review journal espn las vegas in las vegas nevada adam how are you sir I am good. And uh, afternoon hockey here in Vegas is not in Vegas. It's on the road, but the Golden Knights in action. That's always fun to see. Yeah. Uh, tell me. Uh, let's. I'll come back around to the hockey in a minute if we've got time. But I want to ask you about Jimmy uh, Garoppolo, suspended for two games for PED. Uh, listen, is he even going to be a Raider next year? Does this matter at all? No, I mean, it matters in the sense of they, they're going to get a little bit of savings out of it. They were going to cut him anyway. Uh, now they have every reason to, and they, you know, get rid of some of the guarantees on that contract. So, uh, I think the, the Raiders were probably doing jumping jacks when they got this news. Yeah. All right. So they save a couple of bucks. What is the plan at quarterback? Uh, I mean, I think that there's, there's a couple of options in the draft. It's going to be tough if you want to maybe trade up and do that. I don't know how much they're going to want to give up. I do think there's some veterans out there uh, that they're going to consider and, and look at. And um, I, What I've been saying about this is I wasn't expecting them to make a run at a guy like Kirk Cousins, but Devontae Adams was recently asked in an interview about who we'd like to play with, and he mysteriously threw Kirk Cousins' name out there, to which I was a little bit surprised, but Devontae Adams doesn't say anything on accident. So to me... Uh, that's probably a name they're talking about or discussing or at least thinking about. And then I, I think in the draft, like there's some 
pretty strong connections that they have with Jaden Daniels. Uh, that's a guy that played with, uh, will play for Antonio Pierce at Arizona State. I know that they love him. They'd like to move up, but what's the price going to be? I think that's going to be the sticking point. And then there's some, you know, some weird connections uh, in the front office with Justin Fields, but then they bring in Luke Getzey, which makes me think they, they probably wouldn't do that, but who knows uh, how that relationship was. So uh, there's a lot of mystery in who's going to be the quarterback, but I would say it's probably not going to be Aiden O'Connell. You have been skeptical all along about uh, when the A's stadium deal would all come together. Uh, Jeff Passan on Friday's ESPN uh, show, pardon the interruption, said he wouldn't be surprised if the A's to Vegas deal fell completely apart. I was there in town for the Super Bowl. You chose not to dine with us. That's a different subject. But uh, when it comes to the stadium uh, deal while I was there, the mayor was kind of talking negatively about it. She walked some of those comments back. Uh, where are we sitting here is this going to happen well i'll say one thing about the mayor that i know people don't understand the internal politics of how uh, las vegas works but the mayor is is the mayor of a very very small patch of land in las vegas um downtown las vegas falls under the purview of the mayor of las vegas and really not much else and so you know carolyn goodman whose husband oscar goodman preceded her they've been fighting for a team in downtown las vegas for a long time so they're kind of cheering for this not to happen so that they can make another run at downtown las vegas for a team uh, so i'd I, Caution people to be skeptical when she says she doesn't want the team here. That's a little bit disingenuous um, and a little bit irrelevant, really, to the, to the whole situation. Um, but the rest of the stuff, like, yes, we still haven't seen the, the plans. Um, we still don't know, you know, what they're going to do the next couple of years, although it sounds like they don't want to play in Vegas. They don't want to have like, a soft launch. My favorite rumor is that they just shut the whole thing down for three years. I would love that. That'd be hilarious. Um, and I'm all about the fun. Um, but I, I think at some point it happens. But I don't know if it's if it's under the current configuration of how this deal is is laid out. I think that they're going to have to maybe go back to the legislature, ask for a new deal, uh, figure something out, kind of go back to square one. I set the odds in my column this weekend uh, that the Super Bowl coming back to Vegas is a big favorite before the A's get here. Um, and um, I think a slight favorite is the NBA being in Vegas before the A's get here. I think that's probably going to happen, too. So I, I think the A's 2028 is a little ambitious. Maybe it happens, but I, I don't see this happening on a very quick timeline. I, I don't know why they can't just play in the minor league stadium. What? What? Why isn't that being just talked about? Well, it has been, but the, the problem that they have there is, like, they don't want the A's to do a soft launch, right? They don't want them to be like, hey, they're kind of here, but they're not. Like, that's part of what the A's don't want. Um, and also, it does, it does complicate the situation with the aviators that are here already, that they already have their deal to be there, and then they're going to try to play double headers every day, uh, maybe sometimes be on the road and, and flip it. Like, that's a, that's a scheduling nightmare, uh, especially when it's 120 degrees summer and you're trying to have teams play day games out there at the ballpark. That'd be a little rough. There's a, there's a lot of complicating factors there, so um, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. All right. Um, tell me, uh, are the Knights? What do you think? What what what? As we're coming down the stretch here, uh, how big a threat are they to uh, grab another cup? Uh, it's going to be tough. I mean, Edmonton is in, in the division. They're so good. Vancouver's so good. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be a little bit difficult for them, but they should get Shea Theodore back tomorrow. Their star defenseman, Jack Eichel, is about three weeks out, probably. Um, you know, who's who's their best all around player? Uh, they're getting healthy at the right time of the season to make a run at the uh, at the end of the year. I just don't know if they're going to be able to overcome some of the unbelievably talented teams in their division when the playoffs start. Adam Hill in Las Vegas. By the way, did you see the DRF? I almost forgot this. Did you see the DRF to Arizona? 
I know. The, the era is over in Missouri. It's very sad for everyone. If, if only we'd had somebody on who said, yeah, she won't be there long, you know, right when she was hired. You know? Yeah. If only, if only well, we'd had somebody in Vegas that could have told us something. Like, oh, we did. That was you. My bad. My bad. I forgot about that. I hope, I hope, uh, I hope she left the mark. That was, that yeah. was fun. Yeah, Adam, uh, you know, one day we'll dine together. I look forward to that. Uh, apparently it'll be when you come to my town because uh, it won't be when I go to your town. We found that out. You're the man. Great stuff as always. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Have fun. The good sense. End of the hour answer. Three players have been named LCS MVP twice. I asked for any one of them. There is a connection between the three. All three did it for two different franchises three players have won the lcs mvp twice all of them did it for two different franchises yep kirk gibson nope but uh, let me see would this guy have been there for one of them yeah he was on the other well let me think he he faced kirk gibson in a world series uh eckersley nope You're pretty close uh, Pretty close. Dave Stewart. Dave Stewart uh, for the A's and for the Blue Jays. Dave Stewart is 67 today, the departure point for that. Okay. And then, let's see. Got an infielder and a pitcher. Infielder and a pitcher. The infielder won both of his in the National League. The Give me the decade. Uh, one, one in the 70s, one in the 80s for the infielder. And a pitcher won one Schmidt? two different leagues. Nope. No, no, two different teams. Uh, Other side of the diamond. First base. Frank Robinson? Nope. I'm, I'm out on that one. Give me that one. Uh, Steve Garvey, Dodgers oh, in 74, Padres in 84. Yeah, that's brutal. The pitcher okay. is the only one to do it in two different leagues and two different decades. Give me the decades. Uh, late 80s and mid 90s. 80s and ladies, Reds. An NL team in the in the late eighties was not the Reds. Jeez, I don't know if I said I, this is one I'd like to chew on for a while. <laughs> sure, but in we, the interest of time. Oh, okay. uh, what, what, give me, give me, just give me the two teams: Dodgers and Guardians. So they weren't called the Guardians then. Dodgers. Guardians, LCS. 88 and 95. And that's a pitcher. Mm-hmm. Oral Hershiser. Oral Hersheiser. Stupid. I don't know why, only that. three guys have done it twice, and all three did it for two different franchises. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Uh, I like that. Um, our thanks to all the guys on the uh, two-minute drill. Um, Except for Adam. Play, uh, we don't want to thank Adam. Nah, I didn't <laughs> Didn't go to dinner with me once. What's that about? Well, apparently we got a problem. I guess you know. Uh, we did. Uh, we did. Uh, Jack did go to the meat mart uh, last night with us, with me and uh, uh, some friends of mine from Seattle that are out here covering the Mariners, and uh, where they they bring meat on a metal stick and chop it off and throw it on your plate. I'm okay with that. Pretty good. All right, with that, just keep. And they have these rolls that have there. like cheese in them or something. Like they were shockingly good. Oh, dude, uh, that shockingly rolls with cheese. Uh, well, yeah, that's a yeah, <laughs> that's that's a good blank point. with cheese. 
That is a good point. Uh, yeah, it was. They were really good, uh, to say the least. Uh, but yeah, good, good dinner. Uh, watched a man. My buddy's partnered, uh, Bucky Jacobson, the Chuck and Buck Show, KJR in Seattle. You know what? That, that sounds like a made-up name, doesn't it? Bucky Jacobson yeah. or Bucky Jacobson. That sounds like the kind of a name someone gives, you know, when they're trying to avoid trouble. What's your name? Yeah. I don't know, uh, Bucky Jacobson. Yeah, no, no, I know. Prove uh, me wrong. Big, Big burly guy with a red and gray Jake-like beard. Nice. Um, and uh, played for the M's for a little while and uh, was, you know, a grip it and rip it, DH uh-huh. first base type. Had a, a big burst onto the scene and then got hurt and then never kind of made it back. But great guy. And then uh, my and so we went down there and he consumed mass quantities of protein. <laughs> he ate a lot. I can imagine. Yeah. Uh, he was efficient. Shocking, uh, Jack was the first guy to call off the jam. He was out. He quit first. Skinny people. Yeah, you know, I don't know what it was. We'd already paid an exorbitant amount of money for him to eat. I, I, at that point, you know, your only hope is to eat your way even. So he, <laughs> Exactly. He, uh, he, he, he bailed quicker. People who so. know their limitations when it comes to food are just so, so annoying. annoying. Like, so annoying. What are you doing? It. What's this moderation are you, crap? Are you not? Like, until you have the meat sweats, why do you, why yes. are you, you got to keep going. Why are That's you going to a place like that? Go to a salad bar if you don't want to get fat. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, did you like the uh, hearty laugh from uh, Adam Hill about the fact that he told us? <laughs> yes. DRF would not be in yep. Columbia long. Yeah, I nailed that one. Yeah, he, he, he got a hold of that one pretty good. Um, you know, we'll see. We'll see where it goes from here. Uh, also, our thanks. We had uh, Alex Zumwalt, the uh, Royals hitting coach, and Paul Gibson, uh, Royals director of uh, our minor league pitching uh, coordinator. Very good stuff. Enjoy listening to both of them. And. Um, if you missed it, you can catch it on the podcast, 3 o'clock hour, hour number two of the podcast at 810WHP.com. If um, th- that's up there on the podcast, if and only if, let's be clear here, Adam has gotten over his anger and frustration towards me for being late in the uh, 3 o'clock hour. Uh, uh, I mean, just, you know, don't, uh, don't, uh, <laughs> Leave your car under uh, trees anytime soon. <laughs> what, are you going to crap on it? I don't even know where I was going with that, honestly. I was like, f- what, is a, what is a silly, goofy threat that I can come up with? But that one actually made no sense whatsoever. <laughs> we went to break after Zumwalt, and I go, how long do I got here? And he goes, none. <laughs> I told you to break like 10 minutes ago. None. We have, you have none. But we I made just, it. I just, I just had the had set the headset down. I turned it off, and Jack's like, "What's the deal?" I'm like, "Oh, Adam's not happy. He's, <laughs> he's quite upset about what I broke right now." So I'm just going to choose to put that the headset is, down. The so. keeper of the time, basically. Uh, <laughs> Listen, organizational. Good. Co- no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was say, I had to make the organ pitching hitting. Yes, covered the entire spread uh, in, in the three o'clock hour. Those, those are two. Uh, those are two things you should absolutely find. Yeah, I, I, the content by no means was, yeah. uh, you know, actually, you know what? Screw this. It's the salespeople's fault for selling so many damn spots. See? <laughs> starting to, I think he's starting to get the hang of it. Um, I'll quote one of Pete's friends that's like, listen, if uh, if I'm on a roll, like, just stop with the ads. 
okay? Because we're not breaking. <laughs> Fair. Have you ever heard Pete tell the story of his buddy who was like, and he, he was let go soon after, by the way, I, I will point out. So that's a joke for those over in sales to stop complaining, stop whining. We're kidding. Yes, we, we understand. we got to pay the bills. Uh, we appreciate it. But I did love that. He's like, yeah, yeah, don't don't bother me with a break if I'm on a roll with an interview. <laughs> like, What? <laughs> I'm just going to keep going. You do understand how this works around here, sir, right? <laughs> like, uh, uh, I thought that was one of the great lines ever um, that was out there. But, yeah, uh, good stuff from both of them. Alex Zumwalt, you understand, he's, he's, he's both, you know, very, um, oh, what's the word, uh, not gregarious, but uh, charismatic. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, guy. You, and you I will see say. where he would be reaching the hitters. I, far be it for me. I mean, obviously, you know, we, we have times to be out and blah, 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 but at the end of the day, I'm not gonna. You're not gonna hear me complain too hard about those about you know guys in the position like that sticking around for too long. You know. Yeah. Right. For sure. Yeah. He is. He is hanging around late to talk with us. And so deep guy for in. sure. I, I do appreciate though. I got one break, and I could tell the tone was not strong. Like it was not happy. <laughs> break. It was not like, hey, break. What do you feel like? And it was like break. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta go. And For the best love of God. Best part is he, you know, Adam usually says that when I'm not talking so that, like, you don't hear it on the air, but so I can hear it and digest it because it's harder to hear something when you're when you're talking. The best part was Zumwalt's answer. Now, I don't know. Like I said, it's hard to hear when you're It's harder to hear and digest what you're hearing when you're talking. And uh, But Zumwalt went like, I don't know. Six minutes of the answer. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't. But again, he look, wasn't. He was definitely not, not taking any of your cues either. <laughs> but look, how many of guys in 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 jobs like that are just going to be? Let me let me cut this. Let me be as brief and as showing little interest in interview in this interview as possible, so I can get out of here in ten minutes. Yeah, a lot yeah. of guys in his job would do that. Neither he nor um nor Paul did that. They gave us a ton of time, so. You know, there are worse things in the world than than uh, than having a hitting coach and a pitching yeah. coach for a major league organization stick around too long. There are worse yes. problems. Yeah, for sure. Yes, I, I agree. Uh, I want to know, do we have time? And maybe we'll just play it for need to know. Do we have time? And I want to I want to get uh, Jack's interview in here. So tell me, what do we want to do? Should we break now? And come back to have time to uh, hear uh, John Sherman talking about the stadium and to get Jack in here. Can we do both if we do that? Um, how long? Well, let's break. Let's yeah, just yeah, break let's and break. we'll figure it out. Well, I yeah. will then, say, then I don't have to listen to you, bitch. Okay? <laughs> Breaking <laughs> now is definitely good because push comes to shove. That'll give us time for Sherman and time to react if we don't have time for Jack. So okay, we'll have okay. yeah more options if we break now. All right, John Sherman met with us uh, today in the media, and I think it's it's important to get it in this hour because you just heard Adam Hill talking about the A's, and uh, you know that that's one of the things we talk about his stadium. Uh, we'll get into that coming up next, John. Sherman, the owner for the Kansas City Royals. you hear what he had to say about where the stadium is right now. All right, welcome back here in the program here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Soren Petro with you as we're broadcasting live here at Surprise Stadium, the uh, spring training home of your Kansas City Royals right now, New Mexico, and UC Bakersfield going at it. And suffice it to say, there are quite a few fewer fans here. The Beavers 
I mean, hasn't it always been that way? Beavers draw attention. I mean, that's just the way it is in Oregon State. Uh, has a massive fan base, and uh, these other schools don't. Uh, so you will not hear the same type of uh, uh, noise here behind us. Uh, I want you to hear what uh, John Sherman had to say. He was made available to uh, the handful of us that are here uh, covering the uh, Royal Spring training. Uh, and we got into the stadium talk. I asked John Sherman how the, you know, what he thought about. They unveiled the, the look, some pictures, the location. That was all unveiled. What he thought about how that was being received. Well, I, I, we feel good about it, Sharon. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of – one of the things that uh, – uh, just because the way that the process went, I don't want to get into the sausage making completely here, but between the, the way we had to get through the Jackson County legislature with the veto over, I, you know, the, we were pushed back quite a, quite a bit. And then, you know, of course, the crossroads site, we, we're very excited about that site. But, but I would say that one of the unfortunate things is that, uh, you know, this news was kind of sudden to some of the folks in the crossroads. So we're in the, we're in the process right now, sitting down with people that are affected by this. And Make sure they understand that we're there to kind of help the transition and that type of thing. So we're so I feel really good about the about the vote and about the election, but also sensitive to some parts of the community that we're trying to you know, spend some time. But I mean, you'd like to not be using eminent domain and and that kind of thing. Yeah, so we, optimistic that won't be necessary. Yeah, we we expect to uh, negotiate or to come to agreement with all the property. And we're meeting. We've been meeting with property owners and. Meeting with them today, meeting with them tomorrow, and, and and so I think we've got a pretty good handle on that. But there is, there certainly is, uh, you know, like what I just said, when because of the suddenness of the, in some cases, we're just trying to listen and have empathy and try to help them uh, in their transition. And when I know you say they were when you say it was sudden, you mean they were caught off guard in the. Yeah, we really. Yeah, I think so. We really couldn't say a lot, folks, before the, uh, and uh, so I have I have empathy for that, but I think uh, just trying to spend some time with them and, and and make sure everyone knows that we want to be helpful, and that you know we think this is really a great thing for Kansas City for the community, and you know, we love that location. Uh, and I know more and more, and you talked about this when the original conversation was had. You know, revenue generators around the ballpark was a big part of what this project right. was. Right. Do you still have the same? I know it looks to me just outside. You correct me if I'm wrong. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it looks like maybe there was a compromise to you know, make sure the P&L is incorporated in the process as opposed to building new. Do you, do you still have the same kind of revenue engines around it that you thought you were going to have with this new site? Or did you, know, you have to get some of that? Ice? You know, it is tighter. Right. But I think in that area, there's there's a lot. We are we are helping. Uh, I think that that location helps us ignite some already existing city assets. I think I think we can help activate power and light more and, you know, make sure that's more uh, productive in summer on summer nights. But but if you look at the, I mean, we plan on, you know, we still have the same plan for office, residential, hotel. So I, I think the revenue opportunities will be, will be there. And then certainly over time, we'd look for ways to expand outside of that. You know, again, if... Uh, if the neighborhood uh, was open to it, and you know, so so no, I really feel it. the other thing. I I really like the uh, I mean the real estate there. I think is uh, is I think it's just a special place when you think about taking advantage of all the existing energy already. Where are you at in terms with the uh, the community benefit agreement that you guys were still working on in, right. in that process? Yeah, we're working on that as we speak. I had a couple of phone calls and emails on it this morning. I think we committed. Uh, 
I know we committed to have a couple things, right, in the in the letter of intent with the county to uh, pick our site. We've done that to finalize a lease agreement, and that's being worked on very diligently. And then we are meeting with the various groups in the community to try to come to a, a, a community benefits agreement, which I, I would anticipate. Uh, I, I don't have that. I don't remember that exact date that we committed to, but we'll, we'll get all that done well in advance of the vote. So you're saying you'll plan, you anticipate having that done before April 2nd? Yes. yes. Uh, I think I know the answer on this, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Do you, when we get the Chiefs plan, get, get some more details on the Chiefs. Do you have a feel for when that, that's all part of the equation? It seemed like everyone was looking to you guys like, hey, when are we going to no, no, see it? Coming. Now it's all out there. We seem to be waiting on that. I think the I think the events at the end of the parade last week kind of delayed that a little bit, but we'll see. You'll see. That's, that's coming shortly. I, uh, I know we're guys are talking to Mark Donovan today, so they want to get that out there and, and make sure the fans know what their plans are as well. All right, there it is, John Sherman today talking about uh, the stadium where it sits, uh, meeting with Mark Donovan tomorrow, uh, thinks the Chiefs plan will be out there, said it was probably delayed because of the um, uh, you know, the horrible uh, ending to the uh, parade, the tragedy that occurred uh, last week, but he expects that to be out there uh, soon. Talked about uh, you know how vibrant that area is, still feels that there are revenue engines. You know, I mean, I, I, it's one of the things I kept to like, I think they wanted to build, I got the feeling, that their own P&L. Right and have control of it and be able to control the revenues. And from where I sit, it looks like that they have been, you know, somewhat met. Would it be fair to say that the Royals met the city, you know, county, state, the whole group, uh, somewhat halfway and like, okay, listen, you don't want us to cannibalize the PL. Let's look at the different location. Here it is. This will help the PL thrive. But, like, if they wanted to go at their own competing P&L right outside Kauffman Stadium, it would do pretty good, wouldn't it? So, I mean, I think that is at least a compromise from the Royals. I, he didn't seem to want to go there and use that term, but it kind of feels that way to me, doesn't it? I think it's fair. I think that's fair. There, there's a, there are a lot of – there's a wide expanse of what they could have done in that situation. But I, I think the way you described it there is, is – it's, it's pretty accurate. I think it encompasses the, the entire thing. Something else uh, to me that I, I think was interesting was, like, you remember when we were comparing the North Kansas City location to uh, the uh, East Village location, and it was how the East Village was going to be more linear, up and down, mm-hmm. where the North Kansas City won't have more ground, it can be spread out. Right, and I think over in North Kansas City, if they were going to build it there, and I think those people had genuinely good intentions and had a good plan. As a matter of fact, if you built a ballpark there, I think it would have been beautiful. I think they did a lot of great work, and you know, frankly, whatever we end up with, I don't think we would have gotten there without their work. So they'll forever be a part of the story of how the uh, ballpark ended up where it did. But for me, John Sherman said, "Well, we got less, you know, space, but I still think we can have office building." You know, hotel, he still thought, you know, I said, well, you have the money engines that you were going to have. He said, I think we still will. Well, again, I think there's a compromise because I think they could have had more of an entertainment district, and I think they're going to lean on the P&L and help, you know, help that thrive. And that's part of what that bridge is, if you've seen the pictures, that runs from in front of the arena over to the Royals. That's to help people go from the park to the P&L and from P&L to the park, right? And so I think that is part of the project to make that a, an easy way to get from A to B and link those two things up. But I also think that the, you know, he's talking about building those other things. The compactness is good. 
you know, I think that makes it that makes it more organic. That makes it more. You know, I saw a thing about there was some city I think in Brazil that they completely planned. Like it, there was no city then; they just built it and they they made it very spacious and open, and it was a complete bust. Yeah, like nobody liked it because you need symmetry. You need to go next door for something, no matter what it is. You need things need to thrive off each other, and I and I wonder that you know. If this won't be ultimately by far the best, because it'll all be on top. When you go to Fenway Park, you're, you're right in a neighborhood. Where I was going. Yeah, in a neighborhood, it's all right there. When you go to Wrigley, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Wrigleyville, Murphy's Bleachers is right across the street. Yes. Right? It's not, the, you know, across a park and an area. and an op- It's across the street. There's Murphy's Bleachers. Right? The rooftops are right across the street. And they've got some rooftop concepts in, in what they're going to build with the area out there in the right field where they're going to have seats on it, seats that they will own, where Wrigley has gone around buying up all those buildings that are rooftops, and now they own it and make money off those rooftops. They've, they've made it part of their business. You know, they're building. They'll own the business. They'll own the building. They'll own the rooftops. They'll have their own royal rooftops, and it'll be theirs, and they'll control that revenue. And I think the fact that it'll have that proximity will be cool. Well, you know, we heard Alex Zumwalt, you know, say, and I asked him about the configuration of the ballpark. He said, you know, listen, it's pitching rules, everything. They're going to decide. He said, but I think it'll be great to have a new park and have the fans right on top of you. And I think to have the neighborhood right on top of the fans, right? I think that will be cool to see the buildings. And I and I think the other thing he said in there that I think is important, he said, I think there's a lot of potential with the real estate there, which we talked about. Like, yes, most of the scene is going to be off. Like, you have to be sitting in the right field, home run territory to get the beautiful cityscape. But I think he sees a vision where... There will be new new construction, new buildings that will help occupy the center field and right field view as well. Some of them will be ones that will be part of this project, but there will be new construction. That East Village is eventually going to get developed. The rich people that own that don't own it for it to sit there and be an open plot of land. If they don't put a ballpark there, they're going to put something else there, and eventually it's going to be developed. So I thought interesting stuff there from John Sherman. We'll take a break, give you the things you need to know, including hearing from Carter Jensen, one of the local guys, which actually Johnson coming up next. Hall of Famer Paul Krause, 82 today, 12 picks as a rookie, but he does not hold a rookie record for interceptions. Who does? Brought to you by Joe's Kansas City Barbecue.